0: You're listening to The Homeschool Dropout. I'm your host, Mike Roberts. Let's talk about bridging the gap between homeschool and the professional world. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Homeschool Dropout. I have with me today another old friend from my homeschooling days, Winslow Morell. If listeners remember from a previous episode with Larissa Carrick, Winn is part of a group of four families that I homeschooled with growing up. There was my family, my cousins, the Morells, and the Salcitos. So Winn is one of the Morells that we homeschooled with. And if you haven't listened to the episode with Larissa, Go back and listen to it. She shares some really good insights about being homeschooled, not wanting to homeschool her own children. And now with three kids, she's decided to homeschool. So it's well worth your time to go back and listen to that episode. I'm going to brag a little bit about when and what he's been up to. You finished your undergrad in behavioral science and a minor in family studies. And then you went on and got your master's in marriage and family therapy. I think you just completed that this year. Is that right? That is correct. Almost seven years of school. That's a, it's a long time being in school. Are you done?
1: Probably not. I mean, I think I'm going back for a doctorate. I'm sending in paperwork this next week to see if I get accepted, but probably one more step in my path.
0: Okay. A couple more years. We're glad to have you on the show and kind of bring some of your perspective and background to homeschooling. Why don't you take the listeners really quick through your education? How was homeschooling? I know you were at the charter school for a couple years. Give us some insight there. What was your path?
1: So I think it all started when my mom either had me or had my younger twin sisters because my sister was just about ready to enter kindergarten. And at the time we were living in Las Vegas, and I remember her, I think she did some level of like scoping out to see what type of teachers were in the area for her kids. And then she was going about doing so. I think the more she kind of looked at the teachers, the more she realized that their values didn't fall in line with hers. And I think that this kind of bugged her quite a bit. And so I think I'm not sure where she heard it from, but the idea of homeschooling kind of grabbed her and she decided to kind of roll with it. I am not really sure how it went the first couple of years for her, obviously, because I was pretty young. I really don't have a ton of recollection until maybe four or five. And I remember what would happen is my grandma, I had have been four or five. It was pretty early, but she would walk me into the basement and she had like these phonics reading cards, if that's what they're called, I think, with like different sounds and we would spend hours reading those sounds every single day. And I think it was to the point where after reading those sounds every single day, then my mom would take us to the library every week and she'd be like, get as many books as you want. And. go home and read those. And so we did a lot of reading. And this continued, I'd say about until maybe like eight or nine. And then I remember like for the first time getting like an actual math book where my mom would sit down with me every single day and we would do math problems together for probably an hour or two,
0: just me and her. And this is all in Las Vegas.
1: This is in Utah.
0: Okay. Okay. So you'd come to Utah by then, but in Las Vegas, you were just homeschooling alone. It was just your family.
1: Yeah. So, at the beginning, it was just our family. And I don't, I don't remember what time we transitioned into groups, but I, I know that my mom met a couple people uh, around where we lived and they were similar minded. Like, they wanted the same things for their kids. So, they were also homeschooling. And then with Larissa, my mom and her mom were like, became like almost as best friends. And so, we would do like little trips with them. And then I think with your family as well, every now and then.
0: Yeah. I think down the road, because, your mom was friends with my aunt and then that's how we got connected with your family was through my cousins
1: yeah and we were we were friends with your aunt and uncle from las vegas so there was just a lot of reading a lot of math and then writing came along a little later as well but math the interesting thing that i thought was kind of cool and i've always thought this was that she would give us the chapter that we had to accomplish and then she would just walk away Hmm. so i remember being like i don't know like eight or nine maybe and doing these math problems i had like no idea how to do and she'd be like all the instructions are there you read it you figure it out i just had to figure it out
0: (laughs) sounds like a a, an easy chore for an eight or nine year old
1: (laughs) yeah and there were definitely some meltdowns online i remember (laughs) freaking out at my mom and just being like i can't do this like i don't get it then she would come and sit down with me and like talk me through it a lot of time spent just in a book either reading I, i think mostly reading with a little bit of writing and a little bit of math but I'd say the
0: majority of it was me. Reading. Yeah, I have, I have similar memories just we read a ton. We were always reading.
1: Oh yeah, and I loved it.
0: Okay. So so then very similar to me where my family started homeschooling before I was old enough for kindergarten. And so it was just kind of part of life where we didn't have this shift where all of a sudden I was homeschooling. It was just that's what we were doing by the time I could think about school. So then you're in you're in Utah now. Did you ever go to public school? I know you went to the charter school, but what was that segment like?
1: So it's actually really interesting because I remember when we would act up at home, my mom would say to us, she'd be like, you know, if you're going to act like this, then I'm just going to send you to school. And I remember that being like the biggest threat. Like, I don't want to go to school. Like, I like being at home and learning what I want. She's like, yeah, if you go to school, like teachers are going to make you learn what you're going to have to learn. And it's always like this scary thing. But I think what happened is once my sister and brother got older, my mom realized that like she couldn't help them with their math problems anymore, or like help them with like English concepts or whatever. And so she first sent them to a charter school. And the only reason she sent them to a charter school instead of a public school is because the charter school was like announcing or claiming to be like this super constitutional based charter school. And so she thought that was just like the greatest thing. And I think at the very beginning, she sent them both part time. But I think like within the first semester, they were both full time. And then, for me it was it was kind of more transitional. I think, like after their first year, my mom was thinking about the idea of sending me full time or part time or what. But they just came out with the eight a day, B day schedule, so she's like, "I just want to test out and see how you do."
0: And how old were you?
1: I was in seventh grade, okay. So what is that, like 12, 13? And so I went part-time from seventh grade all the way till my junior year. And then halfway through my junior year, I think like in December, I started going full-time.
0: Okay. And then you did graduate from the charter school.
1: Well, it's actually really interesting. I I don't know if I should have. And the reason why I say that is because maybe in like ninth or 10th grade, I just realized that like the course content was too easy for me. And so I would just skip classes and I would just go play basketball (laughs) for hours. (laughs) Like, I would just be in the gym. Like, I had A's in health, PE, weights. But, like, my math, history, they're all, like, decently low. Like, there was one point where my counselor came to my dad. No, I had a I had a, a report card. And on it were all D's and F's. And I just left it in my car because I was like, I'm already in UVU. Like, at that point, I got accepted through their EdNet program. So I was like, What well, who needs a high school diploma? Oh,
0: so, so when you say you probably shouldn't have, you mean that your grades probably weren't there like they probably shouldn't have granted you a diploma is that what you're saying Yeah,
1: yeah so my grades weren't there and so anyways my dad found my report card one day and he flipped because he's a high school teacher and he basically said you're not playing basketball you're not playing football you're not doing anything you're not seeing friends until all of these grades are a's and we make sure you're on the track to graduate so for like the next like month or two my life was hell yeah just doing packets and making grades oh
0: you had to make up your grades
1: yeah because I flunked I think one or two classes the semester prior and they were like key classes like I think it was an English class and I don't know like a geography class or something
0: okay so so in high school you were there there's a huge social aspect of high school and then you were just focused on sports and and then once you got accepted into like what is it? EdNet with UVU?
1: Yeah. So EdNet does like their college program for high school students. So I was probably taking like four college classes. And like, once you get in to UVU, you don't like have to reapply. So I had like a ID number at everything.
0: So you were set. You were like, I don't need to worry about high school. I'm already into college. Right. <laughs> That's too funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I just saw high school as like a gateway into college. And then at that point, I was like, well, if I'm already in college, like, yeah, yeah, taking these classes.
0: So let's go back really quick. I, I had forgotten about this. I'm curious as to what it was like having your mom homeschooling you and then your dad as a public school teacher. And I know that your dad's side of the family, they're almost all educators. And so were there odd experiences growing up or, or how was that dynamic having kind of those two approaches to education present in the home?
1: And I don't know if there is a lot of things in the background, but I'll just kind of tell you what I know. Basically, more or less, my grandma and my grandpa on my dad's side are both teachers. One taught in elementary, one taught in middle school. And then all my dad's brothers are teachers. So his older brother taught elementary, and then his other older brother... He's like the dean of a department down at Dixie State College or Utah Tech or whatever it's called now. And he teaches like communication classes. So I think when my parents first came out with the idea, especially my mom with homeschooling, I think that whole side of the family was pretty like, what what is wrong with you guys? (laughs) Like, do you not like get the stereotype of homeschool kids? Like these kids aren't going to learn anything. They're going to be super socially awkward. And I think for like the first probably 10 years of their marriage, maybe more honestly, my grandma like absolutely hated my mom for homeschooling us. Like she thought my mom was like gonna make us all really dumb that we wouldn't like know how to like fit in with society, and like she was constantly breathing down my dad's back about like us
0: being homeschooled. Yeah, I can't imagine that pressure.
1: Oh yeah, and I don't even know if my dad had like a rebuttal because he's like I'm a high school teacher and like I see the importance of high school. So
0: okay, so as kids, did you feel that? It uh, was that pretty present being homeschooled.
1: Um, I could like sense there was something off between my grandma and my mom and I knew that it revolved around homeschool, but I didn't know like to what extent I guess
0: until I was older. Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting dynamic when you're homeschooling and you have this extended family because I recall occasionally my grandma, on my dad's side testing us times tables or asking us what we're learning, trying to, trying to kind of like get a sense if anything was going on at home or if we were progressing at all. And so that didn't happen as much because my older siblings were homeschooled and they went on and they were fine. So by the time I came around, that testing kind of faded, but I do remember being sat down a couple of times and just getting drilled a little bit, this random kind of interrogation from some extended family members. And so it's odd, you know, even with extended family.
1: And we had something, I think, similar to that. Like my grandma, she decided to pay for all of us to learn an instrument. And so Every time we went down to go visit her, she would make us play for her like a mini recital. And so I think in a way she tests us. I think there were a couple of times where I like read for her.
0: I appreciate that people are are trying to get a sense and like make sure that, you know, kids are doing okay. because I don't think homeschooling is uniform. Some some kids do suffer in homeschool. They really do. And so I guess I've torn feelings about the family checking in. It's just an interesting space.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think that my grandma, Sheik especially started backing off. And I think there was even a point where she thanked my mom when I was probably about like 12 or 13. She's like, wow, your kids are all like very bright and like sociable and just kind people to like whatever you're doing. Like, I
0: appreciate it. Cool. That's got to be a good day for your mom. For sure. Oh, yeah. She still talks about it. I want to look at your summer sales experience a little bit. Why don't you give listeners some background on summer sales and then what it requires from you? And we'll talk about kind of the homeschool context.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I went on an LDS mission in between high school and college. I think that that really propelled me socially. Like I wasn't awkward or anything, but I think like just like the ability to really feel comfortable talking with anybody was like propelled during those two years. So right after I got off my LDS mission, I think I was on it uh, when my brother sent me an email and he was like, hey, I have made a lot of money this summer doing door to door sales. Would you be interested in jumping in something similar like once you get off your mission? And I was like, well, we can talk about it. and We'll figure it out when I get home. And So I got home from my mission. Me and him kind of talked it over a little bit. And I figured like, yeah, works for him. I can definitely do it. If he can do it, uh, let's let's do it together. So in May of that, that summer, I think it was 20. I want to say like 20. 16 maybe maybe 2017 one of those two years we all jumped in our cars and drove to rhode island and knocked doors for a whole summer so from may to august just uh knocking doors every day selling pest control i think there's a lot of fear going up to people's doors and i think especially the first maybe 20-ish doors that i knocked in rhode island was pretty intense because i'm like this little nice white mormon kid from utah and everybody in rhode island is pretty quick and so I learned really fast just like how to talk to the people out there because like for the, like I said, for the first maybe 20 doors, I just got completely wrecked <laughs> and I was like, this is like, is this my life right now? You know? Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> just got totally destroyed. And so I started picking up, like I started reading a lot of books on how to, how to do sales, like how to do door to door. I started reading a lot of books about like, like self-motivation, self-mastery. Very cool. And, uh, by the end of the summer, I made like a good chunk of money, good enough for me to sign on for a second year.
0: Okay. So you did it for two years and you're going door to door interfacing with the customer. I don't think I, I mean, I never did summer sales. I always told myself, I don't have it in me to, it's, it's pretty grueling. It's hard work and they're hot days and you're out there. I've had people knock on my door here in Oregon and I look at them and I'm like, man, I just, that is brutal work for a summer And so you didn't ever feel like homeschool and that experience held you back in doing summer sales. You were successful and you didn't look back at homeschool with regret that it was hurting you in your, in your summer sales.
1: I think it almost helped me in a way. And the reason why I say that is because I think that homeschooling taught me very quickly. Like if you want to know something, you have to spend time researching and learning about it. And so I think it it kind of translated directly into my summer sales. Like I went in, I was completely bad. Like I was horrible. And so it took a lot of time and like role-playing and like looking for help. Like I remember going to my brother and asking him, I'd go to the top guys in the company, like ask them questions. And I just, yeah, I think more or less like what I'm trying to get to is I think homeschool propelled me and being successful in summer sales.
0: Interesting. I don't think that would be something I would anticipate or others would expect someone to say about homeschooling and doing summer sales to me. It doesn't fit the stereotype about homeschoolers very well that you're able to go out there, sell for two summers, be successful, and you know, kind of bring home that financial base for building your own life.
1: Right. And even during my second summer, like I went to Oklahoma my second year, my brother used to tell me like, yeah, it's not so much the sell. Like a lot of it's just about how much they like you. So I just became like the world's best schmoozer. Like I could sit, just <laughs> be asked with somebody on their front porch set for hours i'd get the cell and then you know if i was tired i'd I'd chill with them for a little bit or whatever
0: you know some advice i got for my career early on was your number one job at work the number one thing you need to do is be likable if people like you then your technical ability all this other stuff can kind of be looked over but if you're not likable then all that stuff rises to the surface and you're a pain and people don't want to be around you
1: exactly yep learn the same thing
0: Okay. Let's look at college then. So you're in high school, you already got accepted into a collegiate program. So you're focusing on that. You wrap up high school, you graduate. I anticipate this transition was pretty smooth for you since you were already doing college classes in high school, but how was that move into college? Did it feel smooth? Did you feel prepared? Give us insight there.
1: Yes. So when I started college, there really wasn't any issue at all. Like I, I flew through college, uh, especially my undergrad. I think I got it in like two years, maybe two and a half.
0: Wow. That's fast.
1: Yeah. I did it really, really quick. And I had an older brother and sister who both went through. And so they kind of gave me some of the tips and tricks.
0: What What do you feel like some of those would be? When you talk about tips and tricks in college, can you describe those? What would those be?
1: It was just like what classes to take, like how to follow a tracking system of like getting your classes done that you need. There was like what classes, like what teachers are going to help you learn the most, and like how to find that out and just basic things like that. I think
0: I've shared this in previous episodes. When I got to college, I had to learn how to navigate. There were kind of two aspects of it. There was the academic aspect, which I felt fine. I felt very prepared academically and that I was matching my peers just fine. But there was another aspect where it was like school is a bureaucracy. There's politics, there's strategy, and there's there's this whole system you've got to kind of churn through. And so, yeah, tracking your major and working with professors and the administration and your program were all things that I kind of had to just figure out on my own. And it sounds like your older siblings kind of gave you a leg up there as far as, you know, here are all the things you got to do to graduate. I don't know, was that your experience? Is that what they provided for you?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that, because there's five of us within five years, so we all went to high school together, or the majority of us went to high school together, and then to college. We were all in college around the same time, feel like after two years for me, we were all in college together. And so I think that, yeah, they definitely gave me a big heads up. And I I think it was Zach, my brother, he told me one day, he's like, yeah, college is just about jumping through hoops. And he's like, if you can jump through those hoops, you're good. It's not necessarily what teachers are giving you the most education. It's more about the degree you get, and he was just jump through the hoops. And so I think I just got really, really good at jumping through those hoops very quickly.
0: Did you feel like homeschool helped or hindered you in kind of moving to college? Because a lot of our listeners, it's something that I think homeschoolers struggle with sometimes is you're going from this home environment where you're at home, you're learning, and then you move into college or, or you're even high school sometimes. And there is a system you have to respond to in order to be successful. And you got to figure out. What does the system value and how do I operate within it? Did you feel behind compared to your peers or just fine in that regard?
1: I actually felt very far ahead. When I first started college, everything was so easy to me. Every one of my classes was like an easy, easy A. Like I had far above the points I needed to have. And it was just like such a a breeze to me. I was like, man, why am I even doing this? (laughs) That was my thought. And kind of like you say, like how it's political a little bit, you know, my brother would actually get in arguments about whether or not an education is even viable or even like necessary. Because hmm. like a lot of these things we're learning, we're never going to use. And like, we both know what we want to do with our careers. So like, why don't we just jump into them?
0: Yeah, I went to college with my older brother Kevin as well, and we'd have those conversations, kind of in a different aspect. Whereas, like, if I had all the money, you know, money wasn't a problem, would I still be doing this? Would I still be in school? Because there's a lot of irrelevant content that you're required to learn, you know, as part of your degree that's periphery to what you actually want to be there to learn. And so, yeah, I, I had similar conversations, but you kept going, and you're going on. You got your master's. You're looking at a doctorate. So. At some point, you're like, yeah, this is worth it.
1: Yeah, to a degree. I think there's like little gems within education you find, like in certain teachers definitely provide more than others. Like if I had good teachers from all my classes, I'm sure I would have learned millions and millions of things, but you have so many teachers who just don't care. (laughs) And so they're just there to get a paycheck and they get paid and they go home and you don't learn anything. You just jump through hoops. But I think that as far as like the whole, how you're talking about money thing goes, like, yeah. Like if, if I had all the money in the world, would I be getting a doctorate degree? Probably not. Because Mm -hmm. I think I'd be able to make more change without the educational certificate or name behind it than I would with.
0: Yeah, the credentials. Interesting. Let's kind of wrap up here. What advice do you have for new homeschooling families, young families out there who are just getting into this? You went through the whole process. You're finished with your master's, you're moving into your career. What advice do you have for new families?
1: I think the biggest thing I have is just, I think it's very vital to make sure that your kids love to learn. And I think it starts with you. Like if you don't like to learn, gain new insights, perspectives, or work on yourself and like, how can you ever expect? your kids that you're going to plan on homeschooling to want the same thing. But I also think that it's very important to reach out to people, like kind of how our moms did it, like reaching out to like other people within the community who had similar mindsets so you don't have like these super socially awkward homeschool kids who've never seen like the sunlight. (laughs) You want to kind of out in like society, talking to people, getting to know others, knowing their neighbors, doing activities with other kids, like sports or whatever.
0: Yeah, it, it was very clear growing up in my family that my parents wanted us out there. We were in sports. We were in community stuff we were engaged in our church you know it was really important to them that we were interfacing and engaging with our neighbors and people we didn't know and and so i'd agree with that it's i think it's really valuable for homeschoolers to focus on that engagement externally because because you don't have the same exposure or social interaction growing up
1: oh yeah for sure And i think now more than ever too homeschooling is easier than it's ever been before like The opportunity you have to find resources online.
0: The co-ops and the meetups and the collaborations and commonwealths, they're everywhere now.
1: Exactly. Way easier.
0: Okay. Well, why don't you finish up by telling us about what you're doing now with your career and your profession and maybe where people can go to learn more about what you're doing.
1: I just finished with my master's in marriage and family therapy. I've been working at a addiction recovery facility and a family facility for the last year and a half, but now I'm licensed in Utah. So I'm doing family therapy at a boy's home called the Heritage Community in Provo. Okay. Been there for two weeks, loving every minute of it. Obviously working with a lot of harder individuals, but that's just because they have a lot of trauma in their life. And so they kind of put up walls.
0: So you're two weeks in to this position?
1: Two weeks in, yep. Wow.
0: And it's going well. We're
1: going really well. I've seen some hard things with kids. That's kind of how the world's turning right now, it seems almost.
0: Okay, well, where can listeners go to learn more about the group you're working with?
1: So they can go to heritagertc.org if they want to look up the company's website. And my picture should be up there within a week or two. So they can see me as a therapist and kind of see my bio and kind of why I'm, why I'm there, why, why I'm doing family therapy and working with these kids.
0: Okay, great. So that's heritagertc.org. Yep. And then by the time this airs, that should be all online and and listeners should be good to go there. Okay, Wynn. Well, thanks for your time. Really appreciate you coming on and appreciate your insights. And I think it's really great that you're going on looking at a doctorate. I don't think I would ever do a doctorate. I think it's too daunting for me. Um, (laughs) So I'm glad we got one of our own going out there and, and kind of making your own difference.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll see if it happens, but let's hope.
0: (laughs) Okay, sounds good. Thanks for coming on. Hey, everyone. To make sure you don't miss weekly episodes of The Homeschool Dropout, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcasting platform.